You are listening to audio from The Creek Church. If you would like more information about The Creek, please be sure to visit our website at thecreekfw.com. Hey, y'all. How's it going? Hey, that was lively. Thank you for that. That's just a gift to me. Uh, it's good to, good to be with you tonight. I um, want to uh, continue our Greater Than series tonight. We've touched on some uh, really light topics, uh, politics and money, and um, we're just going to keep the train rolling. Uh, going to talk about family tonight, uh, which, which should, be, should be a really good time. Uh, I, I don't know about you. Uh, but when I think about family and, and the things that come to mind, uh, it, it's a mixed bag. <laughs> uh, and, and by that I mean, um, I, I have a whole lot of really good and beautiful memories of my family. Um, I think about um, dinner at the Thanksgiving table, right? I think about, uh, man, just driving uh, on vacation, going down to Galveston, going, going on road trips. I think about, uh, man, visiting family. I think about my uncle um, letting me come stay with him. And like he called me the night before I got on the plane and just said, when you get here, we're going to have as many root beer floats as you want. And I got sick as a dog. And it was awesome, you guys. <laughs> it, was, it was super fun. And, and that's the stuff that I think about um, when I think about family. I also, if we're going to be really honest about family, um, I, I have some harder memories. Um, I think about the first Christmas um, after my parents got divorced and, and the interesting family dinner that we had that year. Um, I, I think about um, I mean, just, just hearing about um, some, some dirty laundry in the family for the first time, like when you're uh, sort of in that in-between uh, teenager and adult time and you start to hear things that your adult family did at some point in your life, and you're like, oh, like, this is, this is different than what I thought. Um, I, I think about, um, you know, I, I remember driving back from this wedding in Oklahoma, um, and I was, like, just fresh out of college, and, and, uh, and the entire ride home, I just kind of wondered to myself, like, am I ever, like, going to find someone who wants to marry me? <laughs> and, I, and I know that's, like, silly and ridiculous. Like, I, I did. Like, praise the Lord, right? God blinded her mysteriously. Uh, but, but, but there's those moments when we wonder, man, um, is my family ever going to be the way that I think it ought to be? And, and there's just some, like, like baggage that when we come to the table <laughs> to talk about family, like we're all bringing something, you guys. We, everybody's got that uncle. Everybody's got that family thing. Um, and, and so I, I just want to acknowledge that on the front end. Um, as, as we talk about family and, and the way that that can become an idol and the way that that can get off of the track that Jesus has set up for our lives, that, that I'm struggling through it with you. That, that like we're all bringing some of the same stuff to the table and it's all kind of a hot mess and Jesus can still redeem that. And I think that's really good news. Um, here's the other thing is um, we're, we're going to get into some, um, I think, touchy areas. And, and really, here's my hope is that I would just clearly present what the Bible says about family to all of us today. Like, I, I don't, I don't want to give you my opinion or, or my hope. I just want to tell you what the Bible says. And, and then here's, here's what I know in the middle of that, that, that God can transform your life. And God can transform not just your life, but your family. 
And, and so I know like some of y'all, man, maybe you came in and you're like, I'm actually looking forward to Thanksgiving. We're, we're pretty normal at my house. Um, but, but some of us are coming in and like you are already dreading the holidays. And, and so I just want to, I just want to um, ask God right now that, that as we look at family and as we look at even Jesus's family, that we would be transformed and that our families would be transformed because of what God has done in our lives. Can, can we just ask him right now? Let's pray. God, thank you so much for tonight, and thank you, and Lord, that you, um, that you invite us to be in your family, that you provide us hope and redirect our lives when we're wandering, and that even, um, God, when, when we hold on to idols, you just gently come in and you remove that idol from us, God, and you heal us and you bring us into light. And so we ask that you would just do that tonight, God. Transform us, transform our families. We love you. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you've got your Bibles, flip over to Mark 3. That's mostly um, where we are going to be tonight. Uh, pretty awkward interaction uh, between Jesus and his family. Uh, but, but we're going to pick up in Mark 3, verse uh, 31. It says this, And his mother and his brothers came, and standing outside, they sent to him and called him. And a crowd was sitting around him, and they said to him, Your mother and your brothers are outside seeking you. Now, no, we're, we're going to keep going, but just so you know, this is repeated, if you're looking to read it somewhere else, um, in Luke 8 and Matthew 12. And, and Jesus is at this place in his ministry um, where, where he has developed a group of people who are following him, right? Like he's, he's blue check Mark certified, has people after him uh, in, a, in a good way at this point, uh, and, and uh, although that will eventually transition, but that's not tonight's sermon, uh, but, but he has a large crowd of people who are just kind of wherever he is teaching, they're following him, they're after him, they want to know what he's going to say, and so Jesus' mother and brothers show up on the scene, and, and they send word to Jesus, hey, we're here. And, and, and I think, and we all know what the expected response is, right? Like the expected response is that Jesus is going to stop whatever he's doing. He's going to wander outside, hug his mom. Like, like that would be a, a normal, uh, pretty honorable response, right? And in fact, um, we believe that about family. Family is an, imp an important thing in America. We, we probably all think that that's pretty true. In this day and age, Take that to like a 14, because we're a pretty individualistic society. This was a very, uh, like family was the thing. Like family and legacy were the thing that mattered in this ancient Near Eastern culture. A little more collectivistic. They wanted to honor one another. Um, extended family mattered. Tribe, like the people that you were a part of mattered. Um, there was a lot going on. Would have been dishonorable to do something otherwise. But, but let's watch what Jesus does, because this is interesting. Verse 33, and he answered them. So this is the person who's come in. Hey, your mom and your brothers are here. Who are my mother and my brothers? <laughs> uh, and looking about at those who sat around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my brother and sister and mother. 
this would not have been the expected response. Uh, to, to, to Jesus' family, this is, this is actually probably extremely insulting. Uh, and, and it's interesting, but what is Jesus up to here? I, I want to get back to caring for his immediate family because I think Jesus does that really well. But, but here's, if, if you're a note taker, here's, here's point one. Jesus redefines our family as the men and women engaging in the work of the kingdom of God. Listen again. He answered them, who are my mother and my brothers? In other words, Jesus is asking, when I think about family, who do I think about? And he answers, looking at those around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers. For whoever does the will of God, he is my mother and my brother and my sister. Whoever does the will of God. He's redefining what he sees as family. Um, Jesus says, anyone who's doing the will of God is family. And, and I, and I want to show you, like, he's actually moving here from, from whatever his natural, like, born into family is. And he's going, yeah, maybe, but for sure, the people who are doing the work of the kingdom, those people are family. And, and I know that that might feel um, uncomfortable or disrespectful, but, but let me just, like, give you some, some good news tonight. Because some of us come from real jacked up families, <laughs> Whatever you were born into, if you are here tonight and you would say, hey, I am pursuing the will of God and I love Jesus, you have a much larger family than you thought you did when you were a kid. You have a, not, not just local, not just like the creek group of people, but you have a global group of people who the Bible is going to say are your brothers and your sisters and your mothers and your fathers, their family, you guys. And it extends across the whole earth and every people group across the planet has people who are after the will of God. And, and every, every like, man, like there are people in Australia who love Jesus and there are people in Azel who love Jesus. Like couldn't be, couldn't be more different, Right. Uh, they both have scary animals, I'm sure. Uh, but, but like, that's the thing, right? Like that and Jesus. Um, I've gone to Barcelona in Spain, which is a very long way from Fort Worth, Texas, and, and sat in a worship service with people who didn't speak my language and didn't believe like me and didn't think like me politically or economically or any of the ways, but they love Jesus. And the Bible's going to say they're family. They're family. There are um, just to talk about the, the last two weeks that we've been in, um, poor people who love Jesus and their family, rich people who love Jesus and their family, um, Democrats, Republicans, uh, even the Green Party, if that's a thing that still exists, I'm not sure. Um, they, if they love Jesus and are pursuing the will of God, the Bible's going to call them family. And, and listen, we've got to act like it. <laughs> like we should be caring for each other. And, and here's... Here's what the Bible's going to say even further. You have a fam family relationship with all those people. You have an especially familial relationship with the people in the local church. We should care for each other. We should take care of one another as though we're family because we actually are. Like we are for one another. Um, when, when you, like, like, I don't know if you grew up in an older uh, church, we'll just say traditional church, but you'll hear like the, the language of, of brother, sister, right? Brother Bill, bro, you know what I'm talking about? Brother Bill gave a great sermon, man. His reading of footprints really, really shot, right? Or, or whatever, whatever the thing is. Um, 
Sister Agatha, man, on the, on the organ, she did a great job today. And, and like, you know, we laugh at that, but like, that's the language that the Bible uses. We're family. We're, we're actually, like, it, it seems odd because we're in this culture. Um, I love what Russell Moore, the president of the Ethics and Religious Liberty Commission, said. The church is not a collection of families. The church is a family. We are not family-friendly we are family. It's not this idea of family. It's like actually God has called us family. He's set us in family, if you will, right? He's called us to one another. And so I just think that when we look at this picture of Jesus surrounded by people who are following him, what we see is family. I want to pause here. Just, just really quick for an aside, because um, historically there have been people who have taken this idea of family and said, they're now more important than my immediate family. And, and I would say that is not a healthy approach. Um, when you look at guys uh, who, who we would look at in church history and be like, wow, man, incredible man of God. Um, man, like John Wesley, incredible man of God, did some really cool things. Horrific husband. <laughs> not a good dad, right? You, you got to have both. And, and we could talk about a whole medley of church leaders, but I just want to prove to you that Jesus cared about his immediate family too. When you look at 1 Timothy 3, 4, uh, speaking of people who just want to lead in the church, it says, he must manage his own family well and see that his children obey him, and he must do so in a manner worthy of full respect. It matters how you treat your family. Um, speaking about people in the church who have not taken care of their extended family well, love that. First uh, Timothy 5.8 says, anyone who does not provide for their relatives and especially for their own household, this is like, whew, talking to me, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. That's pretty strong language. Jesus cares about how you treat your immediate family too, right? In fact, um, one of the very last things that Jesus did on the way to the cross, then there's this beautiful moment. It says, standing by the cross of Jesus were his mother and his mother's sister, Mary, the wife of Clopas and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, woman, behold your son. Then he said to the disciple, behold your mother. And from that hour, the disciple took her to his own home. He's taking care of his mom because he knows he's going to die, right? So the, the, one of the very last things that he does is to make sure his immediate family is provided for. So don't, don't just go, oh, well, we've got this global family, so I don't need to worry about my immediate family. Um, God has called us to love, and I would say steward both. And he's always been building this people, right? Like God has always been building a family. Um, it's, it's one of the reasons we're so serious about being set in family here. I just want to talk to you for a second. You will not be the believer and follower of Christ that you are meant to be if you are not set in a community with somebody else. You cannot do the one another's in the Bible. And by that, I mean love one another, serve one another, care for one another, pray for one another if you don't know one another. Like you've got to actually be set in family. And so I just, this is not in my notes. This is for free. I would encourage you then find some people in a life group in a Bible study, or, or just come up to somebody after the service and be like, hey, we've sat across from each other for the past three years, and I don't know your name. <laughs> we should fix that, right? You can get to know people. And so I just encourage you in that. Here's the second thing I want you to see. Jesus redefines the purpose of family as obedience and fruitfulness in serving God. 
redefines the purpose. So, so whatever he, like, he's moving us away from whatever is, like, culturally acceptable in the moment. Um, here is what we would be after as a family in this day and age, right? Would have been legacy, would have been um, taking care of grandma, very, very generational, um, whatever we believe about family. Jesus is going to move us away from that and, and say, hey, actually, family is about radical obedience and faithfulness to God. He's calling us to do something different with our family. So our immediate family, our extended family, our church family, all of that is whoever does the will of God. He is my brother and sister and mother. He's, he's moving the goalpost of family. He's moving the goalpost. And, and here's what I mean by goalpost. However you define success for your family, however you decide, like what is the overarching goal of your family? And, and maybe you haven't thought about that before, like because life is just easy to live into and not think about. Um, but, but you should think about that. It, like what is the thing that we're after? Now, I have to ask this with my wife and with my child because ultimately life has a way of just sweeping away whatever we haven't thought about. And so if you think about it, what is the thing that your family is after? I want to, I want to show you some goalposts that don't look like the gospel. I want to just talk about some, some, some like, if we're going to set up, here's the end zone. Here's what success looks like. Um, here's some that I think we see all the time that don't look like what Jesus is calling us to. The first is this, um, the perfect family, <laughs> right? And, and here's what I mean by that. You've got to have it all, and you've got to have it all together, right? You've got to look put together, feel put together. The Instagram angles have got to be right. And, and it, like, you've got to be the perfect family. When you're in public, you get stressed out if your kid is acting up. Like, like not just like a rational amount of stress, because I've been there in Target too, y'all. But, but like, you have got to be perfect, excellent, awesome. Your kid can't be the second string on the soccer team. Your kid can't make a B. You can't fail. You've got to be perfect. The problem, if you set your sights on being the perfect family, is you are going to live in a constant state of anger and frustration because the people around you will disappoint you. And the people around you will live in a constant state of fear or discontent because they feel like a disappointment to you. If you aim to be the perfect family, man, it, it's not a healthy way to live, you guys. And ultimately, like if you're aiming to find your perfection in your family, in what you're doing, and not in who Jesus is, that's just missing it. You're not going to get there, first off, because I don't know if you've ever met a kid. They're not perfect. Uh, but also, we aren't either. And so when you combine that beautiful combination, right, you're just not going to get there. But also, to find your hope somewhere other than Jesus is just a really uh, ungospel way of living, if you will. That's a new word that I just made up. Just roll with it, please. Um, but, but here's the other thing. Here's another uh, version of that that we see. And, and I would call it the fulfilling family. And, and here's what I mean by that. I believe that my family will fulfill me. That, that I have been, up until this point, um, previously empty, but, but uh, single people. Um, when I get married, I will feel better about myself. And all of my, like, 
uh, baggage and all of my emptiness. Like all of a sudden, I'm going to be like completely satisfied in who this other person is. Or, man, if you're married, you're going, if my spouse would just live the right way, (laughs) or if she would just maybe do the dishes, or if he would just, uh, whatever your like consistent complaint is, okay? Not that you have them. Um, Me neither. Uh, But But whatever that is, if they would just do this thing, then we would be fulfilled and satisfied in our relationship and in our lives. Um, The the problem is you're asking a person to do what God can do. You're you're trying to run your car on whiskey, okay? Uh, It may be high ABV, and you may make it a quarter mile down the road, but your car is eventually going to blow up, right? Like you've got to, you're finding your fuel for satisfaction in the wrong place. Uh, If you look to hope in Jesus, that is meant to fulfill you. If you look for your family to fulfill you, it's just not going to work. It's just not going to work. Here's the other way. Fixing family. Um, Here's the idea. I believe that my family will fix me. (laughs) Uh, I brought a bunch of baggage into this marriage. I brought a bunch of baggage into being a dad. But now that he's here, or now that she's here, um, all of that's going to start to go away. God's just going to magically, just going to snap his fingers and like, I'm going to be a great human being. And none of the flaws or addictions or problems that I brought in are going to stay with me because love is that strong, right? Uh, and, and here's the thing. Love is that strong, but God's love is that strong, <laughs> right? Like we, we've got to, again, bring it back to Jesus. The problem is only God can bring the healing and restoration that you're looking for. Um, here's, here's another one, the competing family. Um, and, and here's the idea. Uh, we will be the best family that there is. And we will earn the favor of God and we will earn the favor of people, right? Everyone is going to look at us and be like, man, they are incredible. They're killing it. Uh, because, man, they taught their kid Greek at like nine months old. And he, he's on like every select soccer team in America. They just travel every day. It's amazing, right? Like people, we, we get in our mindset though, right? And, and, and it, so I, let me just clarify. If you can teach your kid Greek at nine months, Bravo. I mean, truly, like there is nothing wrong with that. If you want to play select soccer, nothing wrong with that at all. The, the way that I see this competing family play out is, is in a desire for control. That, that you are going to, you're going to enroll, we'll just talk to the parents real quick. You're going to enroll your kids in every possible thing that they could ever do so that they can get into the perfect college, so they can get the perfect marriage, so they get the perfect kids, and so that they can take care of you and buy you a yacht when you're 95, right? Like, that's the thing. Um, and, and, and here's the thing, y'all. Other than that is placing your hope in a really weird place and way too much pressure on your kids. Uh, you are also, man, you're, you're setting yourself up to, to be a controlling person over what only God controls, and that's the future. Right? Nothing, nothing wrong with all those things. And, and I, I pray that all of our kids buy us yachts when we're 95. Like, I'm just going to receive, if it's in the Lord's will, come on, y'all. But, but here's the deal. We don't get to control them. We have to place those things back into the Lord's hands. Last one, and, and this hits home for me. Now, I just called it the Bible Belt American Dream Family. Super fun, right? And here's, here's what I mean. This is, if we as a family do the right things, God will bless us. And, and I'll just tell you about my wife's family, and I have permission to do this. Uh, I asked first, but... but um, 
they got married and, and they really kind of just believed in their hearts. Hey, if we do the right thing, if we attend church, if we don't drink too much, if we don't smoke, if we, don't, if we listen to Christian radio, right, um, then, then God will bless us. And then the road like hit a couple bumps, <laughs> as life does, and, and dad lost his job. And, and because that happened, um, marriage got harder, and everybody ended up walking away from Jesus because God didn't do what he promised he would. And, and here's the danger in that, you guys. One, God didn't say do that, <laughs> just so you know, like that you're going to have a perfectly prosperous life. He did say he'd be with you. But, but he, he, when we trust in this, um, if we have right actions but not right hearts, right? Like if we, if we do all the things and we care about people and we go to Sunday school, but we don't actually know Jesus, if we don't have a relationship and a walk with the Lord, man, that's a very strange way to live. And also, you're missing out on so much good stuff. You're just missing out on having an actual walk with the Lord. And, and then at the end of the day, um, when you put your hope in the American dream and not Jesus, that is an idol, when you put your hope in, um, you know what, I'm going to retire when I'm 65 and I'm going to um, have kids who take care of me. Those are beautiful things. And I, I, like, I hope it happens to all of us, right? But, but ultimately, those aren't the same as putting your hope in Jesus. We are called to put our hope totally and fully in Christ. Here's the last thing. Jesus redefines what success is for our families. Um, when, when I was a kid, Here's what Christmas was about for me. Christmas was about driving and making everybody in the family happy, which I know is a really weird thing to say. Here's what I mean. Um, by like 11 a.m., um, we had visited probably three of my grandparents' houses and were on the way to the fourth, right? And if we didn't, everybody was grumpy about it. <laughs> like we lived Christmas morning for other people. We lived Christmas morning uh, to make sure everybody in the family was happy. And, and let me just say a couple things. One, if you're there, you don't have to do that. Let me, let me just like free you completely. That is uh, fear of man. But uh, we don't have time to get into all that. Here's the main thing. Um, you get to set where your goalpost is. We choose today to make Christmas about spending time with my family. We do not leave the house until noon. We eat cinnamon rolls and we create memories, right? And that's it. And if you want to find me on Christmas morning, sorry, <laughs> busy, right? And, and here's the thing, y'all. You get to move the goalpost for your family. You get to decide that what success is. Single people, people with kids, people with cats, if you're here, I, Y'all need church too, but uh, if you're, like wherever you're at, you get to decide this is what success looks like. And, and I would just argue that God's goalpost for your life, for your family, is obedience and faithfulness. Obedience and faithfulness to the Lord. And, and look at me, if you're knocking it out of the park there, the rest of the stuff doesn't matter. Like, you, like the rest of the stuff will start to take care of itself a little bit, I, I believe. But ultimately, you get to decide for your family. Obedience and faithfulness to God is what matters for our family. I want to give you some ways to, to 
do that, to move the goalposts. Um, when in, in Deuteronomy 6, which is an excellent passage about families, uh, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. These words that I command you today shall be on your heart. And then you shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. You'll bind them as a sign on your hand. They'll be as frontlets between your eyes. Think of it like a sign on your forehead. It's the quickest way I can explain it. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. So move from this personal relationship with the Lord to actually demonstrating it. So the first way that you can actually move the goalpost for your family is to model it. (laughs) And here's what I mean. Everybody in your family, whether you think so or not, if you're a follower of Jesus, they're looking to you to decide what that looks like. Everybody in your family. If you, if you don't have kids, man, the rest of your extended family and your church family are looking at you to decide this is what it looks like to follow Jesus. If you have kids, they are looking at you and whether or not you are modeling following Jesus, if you have come to church and decided I'm a follower of Jesus and said that to your kids, they are deciding what that looks like based on what you do. I just want you to know that. And, and so you need to model, if you want to move that goalpost, model for them what it looks like to follow Jesus. Model for them. I've got a couple, um, and, and I don't want to be uh, ridiculous with you because life gets in the way sometimes, but, but set some priorities in your life. Set some time aside and, and do that publicly. Do it with your kids. Explain why you're setting time aside to be with Jesus. Like actually, um, let me just give you this advice. Instead of um, doing your quiet time in, in like your bedroom <laughs> where you can like light the candles and put on the Braveheart soundtrack, at like whatever your thing is, okay, whatever gets you in the zone with Jesus. Instead, hey, bring that into the living room. And just do it in front of your kids. And listen, it may not be perfect. They may have cartoons going or whatever. It may be the, the least hospitable environment for Bible study you could find. But I promise doing it in front of your kids is going to change their lives. You studying the Bible in that way. Um, I, I would also say part of that is making some decisions that involve them about how they spend their time and, and how you spend your time. Um, and, and, you know, I made a joke about select soccer practice. Um, but, but here's the deal. If, if once in a while... You have to miss church. You have to miss student ministry stuff, whatever, um, for something else. Practice, games. Man, that's totally okay. That's totally okay. But here's what I would say. If you spend their lifetime, it's beautiful. If you spend their lifetime prioritizing everything but church and everything but Jesus, I just, you know, they, they may start to pick up on that. They're going to see what you prioritize and shape their lives around that. That's the gentlest way I can say it, is that they're watching what you do. They're watching what you value, and they're going to build their lives based on that. And and that's true of your neighbors. That's true of the people around you. You get to demonstrate for your coworkers what it looks like to follow Jesus, just so you know. Um, The other way is to expand your definition of family to line up with Jesus' definition of family. If you are a single person, you have a family. If you are a married person, you can expand your definition of family to include all of the single people here, all of the people who you don't know, and invite them over. And I'm not saying every night of the week, good grief, please don't come over in the week. It's, it's crazy at my house. But once in a while, man, we, we have some single friends who just pour life into us. 
and their family, you guys. And I, I want to encourage you, in front of your kids, in front of your family, invite the rest of the family into your home, into your life. Doesn't mean you have to be family with everybody. You're not going to get along with everybody. But there's people, man, who are single and following Jesus, who are married and following Jesus, who even the people who own cats, right? Like, like you can invite them over and, and man, invite them into the family, I remember when I was in college, there was a family that just would have me over for dinner like once every three months. And you guys, in college, let me just tell you this, if you didn't know, to have a home-cooked meal that had no noodles in it was, was a magical experience was a magical experience. And to just be invited, I mean, there are kids running around. There's a football being thrown around. We'd play apples to apples like till midnight. The kids would go to sleep, okay? But it was awesome. And, and you have the opportunity to do that. You, you can invite people into your home. You can invite people into your life. Here's the last uh, thing that I'd invite you to do. Um, decide who you want your family to be faithful to. Decide who you want your family to be faithful to. And, and there are a lot of ways you can do that. You can have conversations. Um, I, I know Matt uh, has encouraged me and, and several other families, write out some sort of contract with your family. Hey, here is what we're about. And then when conflict comes up, when problems come up, just remind yourself, hey guys, this is what we all agreed to. We are about obedience and faithfulness to Jesus. This works for single people. This works for married people. Man, have a like, this is the thing that I'm gonna be faithful to, Jesus have that conversation. It's like a DTR in the early stages, a determine the relationship, define the relationship, figure out what you're about. Figure out, and then, and then run after that. Last, last thing is this. If you've made an idol out of anything, give it back to God. If you've made an idol out of anything, give it back to God. And here's what I would encourage you to do. In the last couple of weeks, we've talked about politics and money, and we've talked about family. And, and if in any of those weeks, you, you have just had this moment where you're like, you know what, maybe, maybe this is an idol, and, and maybe I'm treating this as mine and not as the Lord's. Or maybe I'm valuing this thing above where I prioritize my relationship with God. And if you're there tonight, I, I would just encourage you, would you give that back to God? Would you just say, God, I, I want to release my hands. I've been holding on to this thing really tightly, and I feel convicted about it. And God, I, I don't know that I have a plan, but you do. And so would you take this? Would you give me your plan? Give me your wisdom. Give me your insight, God. Because here's what we said at the beginning. God can transform your lives and he can transform your families. And, and I want to trust him with that more than anything that I own, more than anybody that I know, more than any political system, like all of it, you guys. We get to give those things back to the Lord and say, God, use me and make me yours. Let me pray for you. God, thank you so much for tonight. Thank you for your word. God, thank you for um, the way that you have asked us to handle family. God, I pray for everybody in this room who's got baggage in their family, who, who has maybe tried to control what happens in their family instead of trusting you. God, would you right now in, in a tender and kind way, would you convict us? Would you show us where we're off? Or would you show us where we have wrong beliefs? And God, would you just shape us and bring us back to giving all of that stuff to you? God, help us to value you more than, than any experience we've had with our families. We know that families are a gift that you've given us. And so God, help us to steward them well. 
Help us to steward our church family well. Help us to be invitational in in bringing people who, who are not in our immediate family into our family because they follow you. God, we just need your help. It's in your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from the Creek Church. We invite you to listen to other messages on this podcast, or if you have any questions, you can email us at info at thecreekfw.com.